0: If we haven't met before, my name is Ashley and I'm the lead pastor and we are so excited about Easter at Hope. Come on. As we get started with this message, I gotta give you a little disclaimer. I got a bit of laryngitis this weekend. I woke up this morning and I was like, testing, one, two, one, two, three, four. Yes, okay, we can speak, we're good. It's only inconvenient if you do public speaking for a living or if you're a parent. And yesterday, my husband and I actually both lost our voices. And so my kids, um, Ryder's four and Sophie's seven, they loved it. (laughs) We would be like, can you please set the table? And they were like, we can't hear you. I'm so sorry, we can't hear you. We don't know what's going on. For a kid, it's great. Um, But my kids have been so excited all week about Easter. How about you guys? Yes, come on. They've been counting down every day. Every day my son would ask me, how many days until Easter, Mom? And I would tell him, well, there's four days left. And he'd be like, I just can't wait that long. I'm like, buddy, it's okay, we'll get there. So they were so pumped that this morning was Easter morning. And I love the pattern that I get to create with my family to bring them to church. Growing up, I didn't go to church. We did all of the Easter traditions we had. Great meals with family, and we did baskets from the Easter Bunny, egg hunts, all the things. We did the chocolate. And every year, my mom would dress my sister and I up like twins. She'd get us matching outfits. and I'm two years older, so we're not quite twins. Um, But we have a picture for you of one of our years. I'm the one with the glasses. Yeah, adorable. It's super cute until you're like 14. And then you're like, I, I don't want to look like her. I want to be my own self. But a couple years ago, my sister and I were joking because um, when I was about five, my mom made us some outfits. She made us actually some, some bunny um, like nightgowns. They were adorable. We have a picture of that for you. Yeah, so it was like a princess nightgown, right? You got the lace on the bottom and the lace around the collar and on the sleeves, really sweet. And then, if you zoom in, we have a picture of that for you. Mom, this fabric is super inappropriate. We're like, mom, what were you thinking? You made us nightgowns out of Playboy bunny material? And she laughs, she's like, you girls didn't know any better. You just thought it was the Easter bunny. It was the eighties. I got the fabric on clearance at the dollar store. And she was right, we had no idea. It wasn't until we were grown up when we're like, wait a minute, what is this? It's so funny, obviously we did not go to church. But I love the new pattern that I get to create with my family. And no matter if you've been coming to church every Easter, or no matter your background or your past, maybe you're like me and you didn't go to church, maybe today is your first time here, you get to determine your future. And we love that you've made the decision to bring your family to hope today. Come on. We are in week three of a series called Next Level You. Every next level of your life demands a next level of you. Not a you that needs to do better or to be improved or to try harder, but discovering more of who you really are. At every phase and stage and chapter, as we face new challenges and new successes, new seasons, we need fresh grace and we need a fresh understanding of who we are in Jesus. And who you are at your next level, it looks different than who you were at your last level because you're becoming more of yourself. In every season, you're tapping into new layers of who God created you to be, potential that's always been within you, waiting to be unlocked. It reminds me of our beautiful butterflies up here. You know, butterflies, they look amazing, but they started off as caterpillars. They started off completely different than where they ended up. I mean, they lived their life crawling around as caterpillars, and now as butterflies, they fly. You know, caterpillars only have 12 sets of eyes. Butterflies have 12,000. That's crazy. Caterpillars, they eat leaves all day, so they can get nice and plump, so they can go through metamorphosis. Butterflies, they're all about reproducing and making more future caterpillars. They're completely different, completely changed. And when you see a butterfly, it's not a caterpillar anymore. The same thing is true of us when we connect to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Come on, when you believe in Jesus, you get a fresh start. He makes you new. Come on. He makes you the you you were always meant to be. When you believe what God says, he transforms you into who he created you to be. You could be a butterfly, you can be made new, but it is so important that you believe it because if you believe you're a caterpillar, you're going to live like a caterpillar and you're going to crawl around when you are meant to fly. How you treat yourself and others, how you live depends on what you believe about yourself, what you believe about who God says you are. What you do doesn't determine who you are, it's what you believe. I think about butterflies and as they fly around, they might land on some garbage, you know, occasionally, but it's not long before they get up and they fly to the flowers that they were created for. Come on. For us, you have the power to overcome everything that holds you back because of Jesus. Your anxiety, it can be transformed to peace today. Your sickness, it can be transformed to wholeness. Your sadness, he takes that and he makes it into joy. Come on. What you used to settle for, it doesn't satisfy you anymore when you're new. You experience the better life that you were born to live. Today's message is called Loved. You are loved. Tell the person next to you, you are loved. Now say that about yourself. I'm loved. Come on. I love that. You guys are believing this. Way to go, Eleven. Our heart is, seeks to be loved, and it seeks to love. That's how we were born. When you're loved, it rewires your brain. When you're loved, your brain releases chemicals. It releases dopamine. It releases things that make you feel happy. When you're loved, your brain releases oxytocin that makes you feel safe. When you're loved, you live longer. It's because you're created in the image of God. You're created in his image. And 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. You're created in the image of love. What is love anyway? I mean, we say we love a lot of things. I love cannolis, they're delicious. I love sunshine. We need some of that today and summer weather. (laughs) I love my children and my husband. But what does it mean that God is love? We're gonna look at 1 Corinthians 13 for that. And this might be a passage that you've heard before, maybe at a wedding, maybe you have it on a wall at your house, but it talks about love. And every place where it uses the word love it's talking about agape love, which is God's love. So every place that it says love, I'm gonna replace it with God. So it says, love is patient. God is patient. Love is kind. God is kind. God does not envy. He does not boast. He's not proud. He doesn't dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. People think God is angry at them. He's not easily angered. He's slow to anger. God keeps no record of wrongs. He says, you know, he doesn't remember our shortcomings anymore when we know Jesus. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, which is joyful anticipation of good things, and always perseveres. Love never fails. God never fails. Come on. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Love outlasts everything. We can't explain that kind of love, but we can embrace it. We can lean into it. We can let it transform us. One of my favorite passages about love is Psalm 36. It says, God's love is meteoric his loyalty, astronomic, his purpose, titanic, his verdicts, oceanic. Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. How exquisite your love, oh God. His love is so expansive. It's as big as the heavens. His righteousness is as high as the highest mountain. His justice goes as deep as the deepest ocean. But yet, nobody slips through the cracks. I love it. His love is so big, you still can't exaggerate it. We don't have words for it. They simply don't exist. It's like trying to explain my love to you for my kids. It's intangible. It's so expansive, yet it's so personal. It's so huge, yet it's so individual. His love is for everyone in this room, and it's for you in your seat. Come on. I was talking to somebody yesterday on Facebook and I was in, inviting them to Hope Church because they were on my heart. And they said, Oh my gosh, this is bizarre. I was just thinking about Hope Church. Isn't it so cool that God knows your thoughts? Come on, and He, he creates divine connections that we can't make happen. He cares about each one of us so specifically. Psalm 139 says, Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it, Lord. Which is really funny, because some of us don't even know what we're going to say before we say it. Words just tumble out of our mouths, and we're like, I'm so surprised. God's not surprised. Verse five, it says, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. God knows everything about you. He knows you at your worst, and he knows you at your very best, and he loves you. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows where you're at before you go there. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the good and he knows the bad, and he loves you. His love is beyond our understanding. His love must be experienced. It's like when you become a parent or you get married. You can read all the books. You can read what to expect when you're expecting. You can get all the advice. But until you've experienced it, man, you can't even scratch the surface of what it's like. The most powerful thing you can do in your life is not to grow in your love for Jesus, but to know the love of Jesus, to know his love. Come on. (laughs) Ephesians 3.18 says, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. We have not even scratched the surface of God's love for us. It's that big. I was talking to Pastor Dave a few weeks ago, and he's in his 70s, and he was saying, Man, everything we know about God, it's just a drop in the bucket of who He really is. We will always be discovering the depths of His love. And that's exciting. Following Jesus is so exciting. There's always so much more of him to experience. Come on. His love is so vast, we can't comprehend it all the way. But as we experience it, we become complete in him. We're filled up with his love, which changes us. And then we overflow with it. What you believe about God determines what you believe about everything else. If you believe God is distant, then you'll feel lonely. If you believe he's focused on your performance, then you'll live your life afraid to fail. If you believe he wants to punish you, you will feel guilt and fear. If you don't see him accurately, you won't see yourself accurately. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God created this beautiful paradise for them to live in he put them in it he said be fruitful and multiply and take dominion and oh by the way stay away from this one tree because if you eat from it you'll die if you eat from it there will be consequences and so they believed a lie they thought God is holding out on us because the enemy said he's holding out on you and they believed that and they ate the fruit and what happened Eventually, they died sin entered the world and disease and death entered too And that's why God hates sin because it destroys the beautiful plans that he has for you. I Remember when I was a little girl and my mom was ironing some clothes. She said now don't touch this iron It's hot. Do you know what I did? I Touched the iron. I didn't believe her and you know what it was hot. I got burned I experienced the consequences of touching it. Now, my mom didn't burn me. She wasn't punishing me because I touched it. I experienced the natural consequences that happen when you disobey, when you don't listen, when you do something that hurts you. And the same thing is true when we don't listen to God. Natural consequences happen, but he's never punishing us. One of the most powerful things we can do is to believe God for who he is. Not like Adam and Eve, but believe him all the way. Because when you know he loves you, you feel safe. When you believe that he cares about you, you have purpose. When you understand just how much you matter to him, your life goes to the next level. Maybe you've never thought about God. Here's what he thinks about you, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God thinks good things about us. Come on. He's thinking thoughts of peace towards you. He's thinking of good things for your future. He has hope for you. I love that. He's thinking about me. Another verse says, how precious are your thoughts about me, God? They outnumber the grains of sand. Not only does he think good things about us, he thinks about us a lot. Sand, that's a lot. That's how much he thinks about us. That's love. First John 3 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. God has lavished his love on us. That just makes me feel so loved. Because of his love, we're his children. When you know who your father is, it changes you. When you know that God loves you, you know that you're here because he thought the world needed you. Your identity is defined by his love, not by what you do. When you understand who you are to God, it changes how you see yourself. And it changes the way you understand what he says about you. We tend to see God the way we see our earthy fathers. And for some of us, we had really good experiences with our dad. God's better than that. And for some of us, we had not so good experiences. I want to tell you, God is better than you can imagine. Come on. If you think about your kids... There's nothing they could do to make you not love them. When my daughter was younger, um, she, I heard her yell out to me. She said, Mom, I need you. And I'm like, okay, honey, what do you need? She's like, I don't want to tell you. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I go to her, and she's just covered in paint. She's got it all over her hands and all over her clothes. She's a mess, and she was so sad. She wanted to hide from me, and I took her in my arms, and I cleaned her up. And it's like that with God. He's not surprised by anything that we do. He sent a solution-filled savior in Jesus because he knew that's what we needed. There is nothing you can do to make him love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. Come on. He's gonna be there with you through everything. He's there for you, Isaiah 43:2. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you, he says. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I'm God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. That's how much you mean to me. Come on, you can tell the price, the value of something by the price you pay for it. You are valuable to him. He says, that's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back, trade creation just for you. And that's what he did. The huge price that he paid was his only son, Jesus, so that our relationship could be restored to him. You mean so much that he would trade all of creation for you. And the cross is proof of his unconditional love. Point two today is that God demonstrated his love through Jesus. He demonstrated his love through Jesus. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love, which we read that. But then it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. God is love, and he doesn't just say he loves us. He showed it. Love is lived out. When I was dating my husband in high school for our one-year anniversary, He got me 12 dozen roses. That was so fun. Come on. For a teenager, that's like, what a great demonstration of love. Thank you so much. Love is demonstrated. He demonstrated it, and then I chose to receive those roses. I'm like, thank you very much. They will look great in my room. Love them. God has a part, and we have a part. And his part was to send Jesus to die on the cross. And Jesus knew the name of every person who mocked him. He knew the heart of every soldier who beat him, every religious person who despised him. And he still went to the cross for them. And he still went to the cross for us. While we were still ignoring him, Jesus died for us. That's the kind of love that you can't explain. It's unstoppable. It can't be defeated and it won't ever go away. He didn't wait for us to get cleaned up. Come on, he came to us. He was invested in us. He was infatuated with us. He meets us right where we're at. Ephesians 2:4 says, God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much, even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. Because he loves us. He gave us life when Jesus was raised from the dead. He gave us what Jesus deserved. And that's the beauty of Easter. Jesus did what no one had ever done before. Before Jesus, only priests had access to God. Before Jesus, people had to sacrifice animals to make atonement for their mistakes so they could go in God's presence because he's so holy and so good. Before Jesus, we were separated from God. But because of Jesus, because he satisfied all the requirements of God's law, we get to receive the same relationship with God that Jesus enjoyed. We get to be children of God. Come on. When Jesus was raised to life, so were we. And when we believe in Jesus, we're not defined by our actions, but we're defined by God's love and our part is simply choosing to believe love always has an object of its affection and when it comes to god the object of his love is you point three today is that you are the one jesus loves you're the one jesus loves you're the only being in all of creation that's the object of his love out of everything he loves us that's so exciting we're going to close with the Easter story in John 20 it says early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus left that's important the one that Jesus loved. and she said they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him Now, John, he wrote this, and he called himself the one Jesus loved. Not the one who loved Jesus, but he defined himself by Jesus' love. And today, you are the one that Jesus loves. You are loved. You're his favorite. He's pleased with you. He likes you. Our relationship with God isn't based on us loving him. It's based on him loving us through Jesus. Just like we don't love our kids because they love us first. No, we love them before they're born. We have plans for them when they're in the womb. It's the same with God. He knew you before you were born. He loved you before you took your first breath. And instead of worrying if you are worthy of his love, remind yourself of how much he loves you today remind yourself of how much he loves you right now as you go through your week remind yourself that you are loved our relationship with god simply starts with believing in john 20 verse three peter and the other disciple started for the tomb they were both running but the other disciple outran peter and reached the tomb first is really funny because it's still John talking about himself like, I'm the fastest runner. I made it first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed the one Jesus loved believed he saw the empty tomb and he believed and we have that same opportunity today we get to hear about the empty tomb and believe that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to take on everything that kept us separated from God that would give us right standing with him so that we could go boldly into his presence and enjoy a relationship with him. As you experience his love, it changes you. And when you let Jesus love you, when you embrace that love, you truly live. makes me think about the movie Braveheart where William Wallace gives a great speech and he's like, every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Come on. Come on want to truly live and it's available to us Jesus died and was raised from the dead so we could live so that our lives could be raised up to the next level because Jesus lives, you can live a next level life Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me though he may die, he shall live and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die Do you believe this?